0: and he was like that that sounds really interesting like email me your proposal and i'll i'll see what i can do and so i sent it to him and by the end of the week he got back to me he's like this sounds great um write me a chapter and i was like okay great wait how do i write a chapter of book
1: Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash forgottencornerpod or visit our website forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. Knowledge acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded indigenous land. The Blackfoot Confederacy surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty Seven, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty Seven and Treaty Four territory, traditional lands of the Sixika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Dakota, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on the Métis Nation within Region Three. The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. And if you'd like to check out uh, a ton of other progressive podcasts from across the country, click that link that we provide in our show notes. My name is Scott Schmidt. I am uh, generally your co host, but in a weird sort of way, uh, official host of today's episode. Because I'm a host normally, but kind of the guest today. Mr. Jeremy Appel. Mr. Appel, how's it going?
0: Hi, thank you. I I, I don't get any uh, fancy introduction.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I guess I should have fucking, we should have done that, eh?
0: Winner we gonna,
1: five Peabody Awards.
0: Are we going to talk, am I going to have to tell you my life story? Um, because Starting from the beginning, yeah. First, first time absolutely. as a guest.
1: Yeah. You okay. and your parents aren't talking, though.
0: No, we are now.
1: Oh, you guys are friends again? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's big news. Huge, if tr- huge, if true, you might even say. <laughs> but how are you, buddy? Uh, well,
0: um, uh, that was bo- bo- it's good. It's, it's gonna be a boring Super Bowl. I mean, it depends who you're cheering for. Um. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm cheering for your team now because your team beat my team. So how are you yeah. after that game? That was fucked. Uh uh I mean you was a good game, right? Um, you know, 17 points in football is not a whole lot, right? It's like being up 15 points in basketball. Um, can
1: be, yeah. I mean I yes, like yes, yep. No, it's it was huge that the Niners were able to start the second half with the ball and put a few points on the board. And the turnover was uh, the fumble was humongous. And yeah. Yeah. I uh, there's no, I mean, it was kind of a weird game. Cause I was like feeling this humongous hatred for the Detroit lions as you would, if you're cheering against them in a game, but I knew the whole time that like, if they won this game, I was going to be cheering pretty hard for Detroit. If, uh, yeah, ABC,
0: anyone yeah. but the Chiefs, um, yeah,
1: exactly. Although, uh, it's kind of a win win now for the for me because, like, if Taylor Swift's boyfriend wins a Super Bowl, that's gonna make a lot of conservatives like really, really unhappy. Yeah,
0: and, and i so, like, I like seeing Taylor Swift happy.
1: I love Taylor Swift, like, adore her. So long before she was, uh, um, making Travis Kelsey famous, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I love her, but I, I especially love the level of which people are losing their shit over just like the coverage she gets. And, uh, like the Charlie Kirks of the world, like really, really, really hoping that, um, they were going to slump out and miss the playoffs because of this and all that. And, anyway
0: what, what why so, do right-wingers hate taylor swift like, you th- <laughs> like she's like an american icon like she's yeah. like a blonde uh, white girl like what- she's
1: working hard to get uh people to vote and not vote for republican that's for one. Oh,
0: right of course she's <laughs> right
1: for two um she's actually succeeding at that so that's a big deal for them and for three um He gives them a double whammy because they get to hate triple, like quadruple on Travis Kelsey, right? Because he did the Pfizer ad uh, during COVID telling people to to go and get that vaccination. And so he's a a shill for the um, big pharma and all that. So anyways, there's a lot of reasons why they hate her
0: and want this to blow up
1: in their face.
0: It's just culture war bullshit. Like it doesn't right. There's no rhyme or reason to it. They just just imagine powerful and of course.
1: Imagine how pissed poor your side's stance on anything has to be for you to consider, like Taylor Swift's boyfriend not being a good football player anymore, a win for your side, because that's that's what they were looking at. Like they were like cheering it on that like Kelsey would start sucking and the chiefs would suck and they had like a couple of bad games in there and
0: well yeah he's been good in the playoffs so
1: oh, of course he is he's the, literally really he, literally today he just caught and passed jerry rice for the most receptions in a yeah um, i saw that in a playoff game and he already has the most touchdowns with one quarterback so anyway uh yeah um it's,
0: and he's not even they, a
1: receiver. It's kind of rad because it's funny to watch all like a lot of Swifties are kind of becoming football fans and um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's too bad what happened to Colin Kaepernick back in the day, but um, there are some pretty strong personality people in the NFL that can um, affect some change themselves. And the Kelsey brothers are, are good shit. Any way you look at it. So um What's anyway Kaepernick that was up yeah. to these days well I mean he he continues uh to say that you know he's ready and and able to play quarterback for somebody um I you know I don't know what to say now like it's too late now because obviously he's older and no one's gonna do anything about it now but when he, he tried to
0: play in the season black
1: no, and I wish he would have because he honestly could have um he could have been pretty deadly in the CFL. Um yeah, it's sad because obviously he got blackballed and he wasn't Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But I mean he he went to a Super Bowl, he could run like the wind, he could throw a decent ball, he could throw hard. It's crazy that he wasn't like given a chance to be a backup somewhere after that. I mean, obviously someone of that talent gets blackballed to that level it's more than just oh well he's not good enough well that's not that's not very fucking true is it like enough people have had multiple chances they don't deserve in the nfl a guy that takes a team to a super bowl uh you know rushes for more yards in one playoff game than any other quarterback in history yada 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 that guy gets a second chance somewhere right so he was obviously so i'm not you know no uh no props to the nfl here like it's not a it's not a woke league if that's the word you want to use, but um, there's some players in that league that are like worth being a fan of. It gets bed wrapped sometimes for just being, you know, whatever criminals or whatever it that play football, but it's, it's got a lot of good people in it anyway um, to our listeners who are uh, joining us today. Um, it's nearing the end of January. We are experiencing the, somewhat positive effects this is the positive side of climate change right where it's like 10 degrees on a fucking sunday in january um so it's nice weather outside uh so take that you know enjoy it but be concerned but uh today we wanted to um take an opportunity to um discuss a project that my coworker here has uh finally completed and is ready for your uh, perusing, if you will. Um, Jeremy Appel is now the official published author of his own book. It is called Kennyism, Jason Kenny's pursuit of power published by Dundurn press um, and available on their website. And we will post um, the link to the publisher on our, sh- in our show notes, as we always do for you guys, give you places to go. Um, but also available anywhere you want to get a book. Um, um, so you can find it. And if uh, you can't find it those ways, hit Jeremy up. He'll, he'll let you know how to get it. Um, but it's finally on the shelves. It's finally here. It's big time for you. I'm really proud of you. And so we want to take this time to uh, chat with you a little bit about this book. And uh let people know what they can expect when they go to read it. So, uh um, well, it's
0: actually, um, it's actually not officially on the shelves yet. Um, oh, but well, it I'm will a big fucking liar. Soon, but I uh, give Scott some leeway because uh, a bunch of people who have pre-ordered it have gotten their copy, um, like last week. So, I mean, it's not on shelves, but it could be in your hands if you uh, you may have it already. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's quite exciting. Um, it, 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 you know, I'll say that the book is the culmination, I think, of uh, the time I've spent in Alberta since 2017, where I've really been paying close attention to conservative politics here. You, you sort Penny of arrived
1: I... here just as, as he sort of hit that scene right as far as mm-hmm. like starting to put together what would become the united conservative party and that kind of thing right so where do you remember when you i, I you you started in whitecourt when you moved to alberta is that that's correct right so yeah do you remember whereabouts uh the the timeline was and where can in, in this whole thing when you got here and what who kenny was to alberta at that time
0: So, I I mean, I was familiar with Jason Kenney from his time as the Minister of Citizenship and Immigration, right? And so I knew that. I I knew Alberta as, like, sort of the epicenter of conservative politics in Canada, right? Stephen Harper pretended to be from Calgary, even though he's from Toronto, uh, much like Jason Kenney. Yeah. Uh, um, And... Yeah, so I, I mean, I had a sense of that. And I, I, you know, I knew about Jason Kane's plan. I remember in 2015, I was still living in Toronto, and I was following the Alberta election, because it was like, whoa, the NDP may actually win this. That's right. crazy. And then they did, and... Um, Accidentally? Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say accident, I would say circumstantially.
1: Um, um, that's what I hear I heard it was that gratuitously
0: yeah well <laughs> y- you know but yeah yeah anyway go on um so I'd fall in in but I, I I knew that okay if Kenny can pull this off if he can unite the right in Alberta then I mean he's going to be premier for life right that was why th- sure. and even as I lived in Alberta right and I yeah Learned more about Alberta politics, like, again, but until even during the pandemic, I was like, Kenny's got this, like, it's Alberta, Mm -hmm. he's presides over a united conservative party, like, he's gonna be premier as long as he wants to, and then he'll waltz back to Ottawa after, like, a couple terms, and certainly that's what his plan had to have
1: been coming in
0: yeah i mean he's almost admitted that um there's a i don't know if you're familiar with the online news outlet the hub it's like this yeah yeah, Yeah. this conservative
1: um
0: uh very partisan conservative website um that is i mean you know the quality of writing in it is like decent and they get a lot i mean people talk to them right and so there's this The particular people within the conservative movement talk to them because it's their home turf, right? Sean Spear, uh, who founded it, um, was a Harper staffer, I believe. So Kenny uh, did this like sort of retrospective interview uh, with The Hub, with Sean Spear in particular, uh, in October 2022. So after Danielle Smith became new premier and... Soon before he uh, resigned his seat and fucked off to work for uh, you know Atco and Ben Jones and all that, and he, I I was actually I I had to like rewind to make sure I heard that right, but he was saying look, I, he was doing it in a very I'm not mad way, like I'm I'm uh, you know I'm actually laughing, uh, but he was saying look, I didn't want to be premier for a long time, like I was thinking right. I would serve one term get reelected right. leave halfway through and then leave halfway through the term and and and, and allow someone else to sort of finish the term take, take up. the reins whatever Yeah it, it, exactly and he didn't say what he wanted to do after that but I I spoke to, I spoke with uh, uh a few people who knew him as a teenager and they're all like, yeah, he, he wanted to be prime minister. Like he, he didn't hide that And like, right. Um, actually one guy, one guy I spoke to, uh, remembers it distinctly. He went to, he went to this, uh, uh, St. Michael's university school in Victoria, this like private, um, um, you know, this really posh private school that was like very athletic and, and uh, it used to be a military like academy back in the day, and his parents shipped him off there. And then he left uh, during uh, grade ten, and uh, no one seems to really know why. Though, and there have been some rumors that are kind of salacious about it, but I, I, I it seems that his the most plausible explanation actually is the most boring, and he he wasn't a great student. Like, right. like he was like he, right. I mean, he's very smart. Shocker. You you can't deny, like, you cannot deny Jason Kenney knows. Um, Stuff. He knows things. Yeah. It might not all be true. <laughs> and it's very ideologically bent, but he right. he's a huge history buff, uh, uh, philosophy, um, you know, politics. But when it came to like math and science, he just didn't care. Is right? it
1: like and, tunneled, tunneled history though? Like, is it like. Like a yeah, 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 oh, record. I'm like I'm sure like yeah, a, yeah. he 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 knows a lot about the history he and and how he wants to know it kind of thing
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Sir yeah. John a McDonald was an amazing person. Right. Right right, 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 right. The monarchy, which I think maybe we'll get into uh in a bit, is like the greatest institution known to mankind. Um Right. Um yeah, but 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 I mean he know right like and and he was And I think he got to a point where he was buying his own hype, a a brilliant political tactician, right? I mean, he's never lost an election um, because he didn't lose the leadership review, right? He he technically won. Um, Uh, In order to go back to the last time he lost an election, you have to go back to when he was a teenage liberal in the 80s. And ran for like a VP role with young liberals. And he lost. So is
1: that, is that why he switched teams? Because he realized you can lose as a liberal. But if you play your cards <laughs> right as a conservative, it's an automatic I, I, I... W?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I, I mean, he, from what I can tell, he uh, was uh, deeply religious at the time and socially conservative. And at that time, you could be a liberal and be anti-abortion, right?
1: Correct. Yes, and also yeah. anti-gay marriage and whatever. Right. It was. Like, right? The, you could absolutely right in the
0: eighties. That wasn't uh, uh, that Crazy. wasn't yeah um, mutually exclusive with being politically liberal. And he, but right. he was like a fiscally conservative liberal, right? He worked. He actually worked for a summer for Ralph Goodale when Ralph oh, Goodale yeah, was the yeah. leader of the. Ralph Goodale was the
1: he was the first MP I ever voted for because I lived in that constituency in Regina, and he was going to be a cabinet minister, and I was like, that seems like cool, so I voted for him. Anyway, yeah, one of the one of the yeah. That's funny,
0: and and also he like in the late eighties, right? He went to high school. Sorry, he went to undergrad in San Francisco, which yeah. I'm sure all our listeners are aware of. Yeah, um, yeah, where he sort of led this crusade against allowing uh, pro life views to be expressed at the University of San Francisco, which is a private Catholic university. Right. San Francisco State is the public university there. Right. Um and um he um at the time though, he he claims he worked on Al Gore's uh first presidential campaign in nineteen eighty eight, when Al Gore like eight like came in like like third or fourth, right, losing to Dukakis and then Jesse Jackson right. second, right? Right, 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 right. Um and but he said that it was at university though he had a he had a roommate who was like a conservative, an American-style conservative, right? Who subscribed to National Review, um the the neo famed neoconservative uh publication. And uh the, the reason I bring this up is uh there's a very funny obviously he didn't talk to me for the book spoiler alert i'm sure yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah does um, he even know it exists does he know the book exists
0: he should i sent him an email at his bennett jones account asking for an interview and it didn't bounce back so um and i yeah and i talked to a couple of people who are friends of his who wouldn't talk to me unless they got the okay from him and i was like well I don't think he's gonna give you the okay to talk to me, but could you ask him if he'll talk to me? And then and they're like, oh, well, if he'll talk to you, I'll talk to you. And then anyways, didn't hear anything back, right? So I I did make a couple efforts to get hold of him. Um because you know, you gotta cover your bases. Uh there's nothing that's libelous like about him. Um uh, right, a lot of the things have been printed before. And sure. it, it's more the analysis, I think, that makes my book um, sure. um well, why you want read it, right? Well, let's this take let's... placing him in this, but I digress. Um, so I had to go to sources that he did speak to, right? And like see mm-hmm. what he was telling people whom he gave access to, uh, like Sean Spear at the Hub, uh Paul Wells, of course, uh author and uh, former McLean's columnist. And, uh, Steve Pakin. and Steve Paken and Steve Paken has this book uh, called "The Life: The Seductive Allure of Politics," which is like such a like shut up nerd title. But right, uh, in it he interviews. This is from back in like the early two thousands, I think. He interviews a lot of people who have sort of been um, like sort of young up and coming politicians at the time right kenny was elected in 1997 uh, when he was 24 right and so by the time this book this paken book came out he was still in his 20s right? right and but anyways he talks to kenny about his background and it was actually quite helpful so um in i mean paken in his very paken way like just sort of accepts whatever kenny tells him at face value and doesn't like critically reflect on it but there are interesting tidbits in there that I have no reason to believe are, are 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 made up, and 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 this is one of them. So you're saying this roommate, who subscribed to National Review, um, sort of introdu- introduced him to conservative thought in a way he hadn't been exposed to in uh, rural Saskatchewan, apparently, um, and. He said that um, when his roommate would leave, he would go through his National Review. When his roommate would go out, he would sort of rifle through his National Review uh, collection. And he said, quote, like it was Playboy, which I thought was like, I'm like, this is going in the book, in my book. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. And, and so yeah and so in that way i think and again i mean i i remember when i was a teenager too i mean i didn't i didn't have coherent politics either right like i i believed all sorts of different things sure. yeah yeah and sure, was idealistic like, and yeah 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 and like i knew i wasn't a conservative right right um but i didn't have like a clear like political um ideology that I would say I am closer to having now right mm-hmm. um and also his grandfather Mart the famous uh famous jazz musician Mark Kenny uh Mark Kenny's gentleman uh actually yeah, ran yeah. for the Liberals like uh r- ran for a liberal nomination in Toronto um uh like a couple weeks before uh Jason Kenny was born. Um, which is interesting um, because Kenny's parents weren't political, but his grandfather was, and and remained liberal throughout the 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 throughout his life. Um, but yeah, I guess. I, but what? But but basically, it was here at the university where he became like this devout, like conservative culture warrior. And he also it was also when he converted to Catholicism because he was raised. Um, anglican uh, hmm. i mean not not particularly religious but he, he his like martin uh kenny senior his dad yeah yeah was anglican was but he was back jason came's baptized anglican and then he converted to roman catholicism in university and i think that also played a role in the evolution uh of his politics even though of course i think roman catholics in canada traditionally vote liberal because of uh the fact that um most of their leaders have been catholic like at least culturally um due to being like french canadian but um
1: Okay, so let's back up a little bit. I want to I do some linear aspect yeah. of this. So tell me how, first of all, how did the book come about? Like exactly how, like how, who came up with the idea? Were you approached? Did you come up with the idea and go to um, the publisher? Like exactly how did this come about and when did the idea sort of um, come
0: to life? so i told myself at the end of 2021 like sort of like new year's eve 2021 it was like i'm not gonna make a resolution because like new year's resolutions are lame but say goal for myself for the new year in that time right i uh um i was a freelancer i uh, and I, I i was also uh working uh or no, I guess by this point, I wasn't working. So I was a freelancer. I had time on my hands. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to take the first step towards writing a book. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pr- send out a book proposal. I'm not going to necessarily write a book or get one published, but I'm going to write a book about something. And I didn't know what. And oh, I remember in the summer... It may have been summer 2020, actually, where Roberta, um, friend of the show, Roberta Lexer, put a bug in my ear about like, oh, you should write a book instead of like getting mad at people on Twitter. And... Uh, Why not it, both? Well, and, and that <laughs> ended up being what happened, though. I did, when I was in the midst of writing the book, I was not on social media a lot because it was all-consuming um, because I right now, so had I a t- I had a tight deadline and I also had procrastinated a lot. So when Pushkin's uh, Shove, it was like uh, two, three months of just writing, like researching in writing, like incessantly, like I didn't do much else. Yeah. Um, but so I have this idea. Right, I had this idea back of my head. I want to write a book, and then I had this idea back of my head. Twenty twenty two is going to be the year I propose a book, and then Kenny has his leadership review. And right before this, I'm just like, "Oh, Kenny's going to pass it. He's going to win the next election. He like he's he like Kenny's never lost an election." Right, I really like believed his hype. Yeah. In terms of his uh, political prowess, of course, not not his ideology. But um, then the leadership review results come in, and he gets a slim majority. 52? 51.4. So right, okay. ran, actually ran down 51. Very slim. He said 50 plus one would be enough for him to stay he on.
1: Sure, he sure did.
0: And so my um I at, at the time I was just like oh yeah well I, I guess he's going to stay on and figure out how to keep the conservative party uh together in in advance of the next election and then boom he announces actually I'm going to step down and I I I never thought we would see that um like not Agreed. not into, obviously kane would step down eventually but to do so in disgrace um i in 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 and then a light bulb came off in my head and i was like what this is, is the that? guy yeah yeah i was like he's been in politics for 30 years played an incredibly influential role with the canadian taxpayers federation with the reform party and alliance as a harper cabinet minister premier of alberta what like no one's written a book about him and and, and you know his sort of personal life is i would say shrouded in in in, in mystery um right i mean he's, he's like what single. do you mean like is he gay or not is that what you're saying well yeah there's that but but just in general <laughs> i and i think that's part of the mystery right is uh, right, like he hasn't seem yeah. to have a life outside of politics, and 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 people I spoke to who knew him also said that. Like, but That's what I did only, learn, yeah, through, I lame. thought he didn't. I thought he didn't have any friends.
1: It's not gay. He's lame. He does, though. I, I learned.
0: I, I learned this through reaching out to people what to you try mean, and he get them to talk like
1: to people me. that he hangs out, and plays like canasta with, and shit, like friends, friends.
0: Or, like, he, well, he know. has people that will protect him that cared about him and really? his reputation, right? Still, and, right? And yeah, it's all like politically related, but in but he he does have people who um who hold him in higher guard, uh, right. as, as a person, um, but anyways. So I write out this book proposal. I send it out to a bunch of publishers, Fernwood, uh, Between Lines, and then a couple of mainstream ones. I figured might as well send it, but they're probably not going to bite. Like, I don't even have an agent, right? I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then in Calgary in the summer of 2022, uh, my friend, uh, Nor Loretto, had a book event in Calgary. Um, She happened to be in town for a uh, conference of labor media that she organized that I spoke at, and so did Roberta, and actually Dave klayman and a lot of people who our listeners would be familiar with, Um, and her friend from Toronto, uh, who happened to be the publisher of Dundurn Press, was in town on business. And he came to the event, and then after a bunch of us like went out for drinks, and I, I I I got talking to him, and I was telling him about this book proposal I'm shopping around. And the reason I didn't uh, 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 send the proposal to Dundurn is because I try I, I I sent it only to publishers who didn't require you to write a chapter or two in advance, right? Because I was like I yeah. don't I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't want to write an entire chapter and then. Uh, just for it to get rejected and not know what to do with it. But Kwame uh, Frazier is the person's name. uh, And I was talking to him and he was like, and I was just telling him the idea of the book at the time. It was very rough, right? Like just talking about sort of the, the sort of, all the 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 destruction kenny wrought over his 30 years in politics and throughout time as i wrote it my argument became a lot more sophisticated and and he was like that that sounds really interesting like email me your proposal and i'll i'll see what i can do and so i sent it to him and by the end of the week he got back to me he's like this sounds great um write me a chapter and i was like okay great Wait, how do I write a chapter of a book? And so he was just like, "Just write it like I like an essay, right? You have an intro, you have uh body, um, yeah, paragraphs, yeah. you have a conclusion. You're
1: supporting the argument that is at yeah. the intro, right? You're you're and, you're, so, and then you're concluding. It.
0: Yeah, and so by okay. this time." Fernwood had gotten back to me and said they weren't interested because they don't really do like biography. And but they did give me some like constructive criticisms that I think were actually uh, very helpful uh, in the long term. Uh, same with University of Alberta Press, they're like this isn't really an academic um, work which is what we publish, but this is like really interesting, and here are some ways I think you could make it better. And and, and all, all those really um, really did, I think, help me strengthen um, the book. Um, and anyway, so I wrote the first chapter. It was on um, the crackdown on supervised consumption sites and this recovery oriented system of care. Um, that was probably the chapter I had to revise the most just because of all the numbers in it of like overdoses. Yeah, yeah. And the fact Ever-changing, yeah. Yeah, and also the key role that this aspect of Kenny's legacy played in Danielle Smith, how she's really taken it to its logical conclusion and and is probably going to pass law that's like, yeah, we're going to lock up people and force them into recovery. And, and and how Polyev wouldn't shut fuck up about how this is great. See, rather than giving people free drugs like they're doing in BC, um, this this recovery first approach is working. It's cutting overdoses in half. And of course, he was looking at like three months period where overdoses had reduced. Since then, of course, it's gone up Wait, way more. Skyrocketed. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 2023 yeah. was, I mean, we don't have the full data yet, but it was record prob- breaking though. It was on track to be anyway. the, the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah everywhere. It's southern yeah, Alberta yeah. in particular. And yes, Medicine Hat, but also of course Lethbridge. Um
1: yeah. where they have no supervised consumption site anymore. Right. And
0: yeah well they have like a, a shitty mobile they have a van now. or
1: whatever yeah yeah let's.
0: which I mean you put that in medicine hat and it would save a lot of lives but in 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 Leftbridge, when they had a, a massive yeah you so, go backwards yeah so I didn't I didn't write the book in order at all I think for the next book if I write another book and I probably will is just I can tell you writing a book is not a pleasant experience it's not enjoyable um it it doesn't feel good but once you're done it does And, and 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 now that we're at this point I do feel uh very proud and accomplished um but but it's a lot to bite off and chew is what you're saying it is a lot it's a lot of a lot of words especially I mean Especially coming from the newspaper world. I mean, now I have yeah, a yeah. you're supposed stack, to be so... tight
1: and short and sus- yeah. succinct, and that's the it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, But a book, it's like. Tell me um, more. T- yeah, yeah. Let's get and some I was, more backstory. Uh, I remember Nora was giving me pointers, and she was like, because she's written a few books, right? And she, yeah. uh, she's just like, no, 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 it's not like journalism. Like, you have to actually, like, you're not just telling people facts you're like constructing a narrative to like weave those facts into and and, and um um but uh yeah. And anyway, but anyways, Paul yeah, has been very quiet about Alberta's uh, recovery oriented system of care uh, as of late. Um, but that required a lot of updates to the chapter. Like I, I kind of that that was one critique Kwame had of it when he got it. He was like, this is great, but you would want to he's like, you just need a section at the end to like sort of tie it into your broader um, argument. Right. And uh then anyways uh he offered me a book deal um which was really exciting signed it and then i got cracking on it and talked to a bunch of people on background to start you know just smart people who know a lot about like alberta politics um because because the focus of the, i mean while the book tells jason kenny's story from the beginning to now it there is like it is very lopsidedly focused on the the
1: Alberta part
0: three years he was premier of Alberta and sure. the few years leading up to that um when he was sort of uniting the right um just because that's what i know the best and sure. that's also where you can attribute the decisions that were made to him individually he had a lot of free reign under harper as as the citizenship and immigration minister um but that was in only insofar as he was in sync with harper right harper trusted him they were they were they, they had the same vision and so it wasn't the same as him being the um you know the uh the the premier uh, right. And 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 being in the role Harper was in on on, on a federal scale, and it's also it, it really the dynamics that he faced in Alberta, which proved different than the dynamics in Ottawa. Didn't spend a whole lot of time in Calgary when he was an MP. He was too busy um, hanging out in like the suburbs of Vancouver and Toronto to uh, to great effect. Um, and recruiting, uh, uh, going to these cultural community events and sort of bringing these communities that typically weren't conservative voters, right? Like immigrant communities, which historically voted liberal, New Democrat. um, But Kenny uh, set out to change that because he astutely... Noted that there are very conservative elements within uh immigrant community and not just immigrants, other ethno-cultural communities, right? That could yeah. be brought into the conservative fold if we just made an effort to engage with them. And and that and that's why um Harper won his majority government in 2011. I mean, that I think is one of Kenny's uh biggest
1: accomplishments, issues. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Like, so when you sign the book deal, so how long, um, how long start to finish did it take to put this thing together?
0: I believe I signed the contract November, 2022 and they, um, they won the book by the end of March wow which is a very it is a tight timeline and it was made tighter by the fact that i really didn't get down to business until the new year right um just you know as a freelancer i had so many other things to do things yeah you're I also again wanted to think about how i wanted to to approach it yeah yeah i mean part of a book proposal is you give them like a tentative like uh table of contents that's annotated so you tell them I'm going to talk about this in this chapter this and that chapter and so they know that there's all, it's a you have a structure in mind i, I departed a, a bit from it but it was mostly intact um I, I had to add a couple chapters took out one took out a couple um in cuz i realized that those things would fit elsewhere in other chapters and um um, and so, yeah, it, it it was it was a tight timeline, but yeah. So I so wrote did you make it. Deadline. I did. I I mean, I asked for a week extension, which is fine. Like a week in the in the book publishing interest. It that's nothing in the yeah. book public in the book publishing business is not a lot. So I got like a week extension, but it was it was a lot of work, and I um uh you know I would uh like my my typical i i I got to a point where it's like okay i have to write a chapter a week type of thing right and i mean that's a lot that's a lot in one week yeah yeah and so monday and tuesday i would like just be reading old newspaper articles right about this subject at hand and just taking down like important quotes and information that i thought would be useful And then Wednesday, I would start writing. But then as I was writing, I would be like, wait a minute, whatever happened with that thing that I I mentioned? So then I would have to go back to researching. So like the researching and writing, like ideally you would want to do all the research before you get down to writing. But I found myself often having to do them at the same time, Um, which makes sense because again, you have all this information, and then when you're trying to put it out in this cohesive narrative, it's like, okay, then what happened? And then I would, and so ProQuest, you know, the Canadian newspaper database is like a, was like a godsend. And then once I got to the Harper years, I was like, wait a minute, I don't need to use this anymore. I can just Google because, you know, archives uh, like the, the 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 Harper yeah. majority years. I mean, yeah, probably. yeah. The the early Harper years were still not, it's hard to find articles from like 2007 on, on Google.
1: So when you were, so let's, you know, so in your research, tell me, tell me something um, surprising that was both positive about something you, you, you were impressed by uh, that you found out along the way um, as well as something that you were, surprised by but we're like also not surprised because he's a piece of shit kind of thing like give me a positive and a negative that of something that you learned along the way that you were like shit didn't know that and uh you know does that make sense
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a very uh good question i think in the early years my chapter on his early years was where people are readers are likely to learn the most that they didn't know before just because no one's written about his life prior to san francisco right Um, i I mean a little bit about his time at st mike's like frank magazine had a piece um, that was like, hmm, why did Jason Kenny get expelled from St. Michael's University
1: uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Uh, in Victoria? And it was, you know, they were insinuating that he did some, some uh, un-Catholic things. Um, But um, I thought, okay, here's, the intro- I, I spoke with uh, um, some old friends of his from, from high school. And what... Well, I I, I found this surprising and I, is that he was, he was a mod, you know what I mean? Like mod culture. Like, I I mean, you're more likely to know it is than I am, but, 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 but sort of this, this sixties counterculture that, um, presaged like punk in a way, like they were, they were counterculture, but. They were they weren't hippies, right? They had more of an edge to them. And then in the eighties, there's this mod revival, and Kenny and his friends in in Victoria, um, were huge into this. They listened to like you know the Who and the Jam, and they wore suits, uh, uh like just around, you know, walking around uh, in like berets and uh the, the a couple of their friends had vespas they would ride on and um and, and, and yeah and they would go to these like mod like hangouts and uh uh and i found that really surprising right because he's cultivated this like really sure. stodgy image yeah, yeah. of this guy who uh, yeah. i found a I found a mclean's piece from uh when he was immigration minister that talked about how he would stay up late at um the immigration building in ottawa going through files and just like blaring gregorian chants on 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 the speaker so i thought i was like wow that's that That was really shocking to me that he was sort of in into like some form of like counterculture, especially also because his whole his whole thing is he loves institutions, right? Right, that, that, um, um, right, he, he, he loves the monarchy and the Catholic Church and uh you know parliamentary democracy all these things that are 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 very like old-fashioned and um uh and well i guess mod culture was old-fashioned right so so there is some of that but it sort of had an edge to it right in that there were like um um i i thought that that was like a fun little tidbit uh, uh about yeah him. yeah that's... that like it humanized i mean my goal i when i say i tried this book is i'm not going to humanize him
1: but you kind of have to In this, you, you have to when you're writing him. a
0: book about a person absolutely you want to be compelling you have to humanize them to some capacity but i'm um, but i didn't i i you think also I had didn't... to be
1: humanized to you right like you had yeah. to have like regardless of I... what you portrayed to the reader he must have been quite humanized to you over the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um,
1: so, so would you say, did your opinion, like, obviously you had a, uh, negative opinion about the man's politics and his track record and the wake of, 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 you know, what he's done. Um, but you know, without you know i don't know if it's fair to say that you could you know gain a respect for him or or what have you or whatever it is but obviously you would know a lot more about him now than you did before you started was there any ele- element of that where as you're humanizing him you're like ah fuck i kind of see why he was like how he was or or you know uh, at least sort of understand the paths
0: that he took that kind of thing I think that there are some things the left can learn about someone like Jason Kenney, who was able to take these principles that, that he had and they say what you will about what the principles were. He had them. He had these really deep-seated beliefs about how a society can function. And he found a way... And and these beliefs were outside the mainstream of, of of Canadian opinion. And he found a way to insert them into the mainstream conversation and shift it rightwards. Right. And I think there's there's a lesson for the left in there about how to take your principles and be pragmatic with them and sort of strategize about how you can broaden your appeal. Now that's easier than said than done because the, the the, Kennedy was helped along the way with a sympathetic media with powerful uh, conservative interests. Yep. That the left doesn't have access to but i do think in that way what jason kenny accomplished cuz i i think right even though uh you know he flamed out he 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 certainly did alter or at least play a role in altering canada's and alberta's political landscape um in a way that few others well, of have course. Over the the past thirty years, I mean, obviously Harper and Mike Harris and arguably Ralph Klein did. I mean,
1: it pretty uh, much went everything for Kenny as far as the Alberta experiment, for lack of a better term, everything went exactly as planned until there was a, a pandemic, right? Like, right.
0: And then he, the he was doing it exactly like we it thought. He thought,
1: area. yeah. And so once once he was being see that was the problem is like no no progressives were ever going to be able to get in his way but once you had uh, ext- radical conservatives um, and uh, against him they, they were able to obviously upend him but without him without everything that happened from 2017 on we don't have a Daniel Smith as premier right now like we're not where we are in this very second right like she probably would never have been back in Alberta politics if she wasn't able to sort of sneak in this way. I don't think, but what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so I actually didn't. I didn't answer the second part of of, of your question when you were telling me uh, about something surprising that I Oh, yeah. So the so the negative was... thing now. Yeah, the negative thing, and this will be quick, is just going back to his time in Harper's government. um, Because I was super young at the time and was just sort of developing my own political consciousness. I didn't realize um, the impact he had on Canadian uh, immigration policy and this sort of uh, hollowing out of Canadian multiculturalism and making it into... This this um, hyper uh, militarist type of nationalism, where people were invited into the conservative fold, and it didn't matter where you came from or what you know, what language you speak as your first language or what your name is, and it, 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 it was all about um, adherence to this neo conservative ideology um that is nationalistic militaristic and uh has a law in order um bent towards uh criminal justice issues and of course the 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 sort of uh economic component of that like in small taxes and 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 trying to you know downsize government and but um I was young at the time, right? I I mean, I was I was eighteen. I I I actually I was born like two weeks too late to vote in the two thousand eight election, but I I didn't realize about um, just the way he made Canadian immigration policy like almost exclusively focus on economic. Criteria, right? like what can you do for us? Right? right? And that he opened up immigration towards people of a certain uh, uh status, right That immigration became less about you know, letting in hardworking immigrants uh, to from like disadvantaged communities to build themselves up in Canada and it came more about like, okay, um, we need people in in, in these jobs. Um, if you're a student, that's great. We'll fast track you permanent residency, right? If you're in these um, positions we can, but if you're seeking asylum and you're not from a country that we want to vilify, then we're gonna make it easier to kick you out. And and are going to pursue that aggressively, and and uh, you know Jack Layton, I think he he called Jason Kenney the minister of uh, of uh, censorship and deportation, um, and 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 that really um, St- fits, um,
1: fits well. <laughs> yeah, that
0: really rings true when you go through uh, and you talk to people who are involved in those battles with him and you read through news articles from the time, like it was a very harsh, moralistic uh, approach that he took to immigration that um, not that Canada's immigration system was this, this beacon that it's made out to be, uh, you know, fr- by progressives prior to Kenny, but um it's it's much harsher and trudeau has largely maintained that right um Mm -hmm. uh the the worst aspects of it the most egregious aspects that were struck down by the supreme court trudeau reversed so he asylum seekers have health care again provide like full health care provided for them which Kenny took away. And Kenny also created this two-tiered uh, asylum uh, system in which um, if you were from this list of countries he drafted of like mostly European countries and friendly ally- and, and, and allies, if you wanted to seek asylum uh, and claim you were facing persecution, you'd have like one chance to make your case before the IRB and if it got rejected, you could appeal it to the federal, to in, in court, but not at the IRB, like every other asylum seeker has a right to, and you have to leave immediately. And so some countries that were included in this were Mexico, where, I, I mean, people wow. were getting deported to their death at the hands of like drug cartels, and uh, Hungary, in in in, in Czechia where Roma people were being targeted by like a growing far right there. And it was just like, you get one chance and if you lose it, tough shit. I mean, Kenny actually paid, I don't know if you remember this, but Kenny bought a billboard in this town in Hungary that is predominantly Roma telling people that if you want to come to Canada you better make sure you have a good case because we will deport you right away if you get rejected. And uh, um, and, and so he was doing that wow. while at the same time uh, putting uh, calling on uh, people in Silicon Valley in the US, uh, many of who were from India, that if you're having problems with your visa in the US, come to Canada. We want tech workers, right? And and I think that contrast really um isn't something I really di- I, I really the cutthroatness
1: of it, yeah. Like the yeah sort of cruelty of it, just like unless you have something to offer that I can tangibly say I need, then go fuck yourself and you're on your own kind of thing, and we'll be cruel about it if we have to. Yeah, that's yeah. quite uh that's quite a thing. Uh so well, we're, you know, before we run out of time here, just, I want to talk about the Alberta side of, cause I know that was a big part of your book. And, um, I, I guess just sort of start with, you know, uh, what did you learn along the way about, about this, what he, what, what the process was? Cause you, you know, I was there with you, um, walking. Yeah, you're, in you're in the, in the book.
0: book. Spoiler oh, s-
1: sweet. sweet You're actually
0: sweet. in the book twice what well one is something you wrote that I I, I I i i cited and not just in a footnote like i said Scott Schmerz, blah, blah, blah. and then another is is you're in it with me there's a scene oh, a on scene. election night 2019
1: right 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 uh, yeah
0: yeah but uh it, so, I mean, it was Hat quite... news newsroom
1: but... oh i'm excited for that but i mean it was quite a process right like from 2017 on from when he announced like as we watched it we were like well there there's your next premiere like we could feel like it was like an automatic but um just as you were going through sort of um the everyday of it all um what what kind of eye opening things um were you able to sort of find along the way that those of us that watched it were you know not quite as privy to
0: well i i i think And, you know, I'm not the first person to make this observation by any means, but it was how cynical uh, Kenny's entire project was from the outset in Alberta of of, of tapping in to these populist uh, grievances and giving shape to them. In a way that targeted the very institutions that he had spent his whole life venerating, right? Um, like e- the equalization stuff, right? I he was he just came from the federal government, and he's saying that the federal government, is, like, is 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 persecuting Alberta. And this is very early into Trudeau's tenure too, right? Like he, and, and um, in that, yeah, in that it's being, that we're being treated unfairly. No, I'm not a separatist, but a lot of people are, and I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, right. He really amplified those, those grievances. And again, I mean, grievances are, I mean, right? Like people were struggling right? That's valid. It's just, he, the, 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 it's what uh, Stuart Hall, the, the, the British Jamaican political theorist called authoritarian populism, this populism from above, where you sort of create this, this common sense that just so happens to dovetail with the things you want to do. And you get people to support this project because you're speaking in their name and that was an important concept um when we get to alberta in, in in particular and so he cultivated these elements right he did his unity tour in you know 2016 2017 went to all these parts of rural alberta was um, that the blue truck tour yeah big blue pickup yeah. And he supposedly stayed with supporters in all these towns, like crashed on their couches. That's what he claimed to have done. Um maybe he slept in the truck some nights. i I don't know. Um but he gets these people riled up. He talks about this, you, you know, this this international environmentalist conspiracy that's trying to pin Alberta down. Um and, and and this is all I mean this 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 stuff in Alberta goes way back to the beginning this idea that we are being kept down by Ottawa and this yearning for Alberta to be more uh self-reliant right it, but in Kenny, who's a student of history, uh, was almost certainly aware of that, and he really captured that sentiment, and but updated it. Um, right? He also talked about the 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 way he talked about Rachel Notley in the NDP in conjunction with this foreign environmentalist conspiracy. It wasn't simply that. Their misguided government, and I don't agree with their policies. It was like, no, they're actively threatening our way of life. And so he gets all these people mad, and he's able to take over the PCs, unite it with the wild Win the UCP leadership race under uh, shady circumstances that um, I was told, uh, because I checked in with the uh, RCMP and they told me- Still investigating? Still investigating. Like, we'll let, like, the person I spoke to is clearly frustrated with them repeatedly getting these calls. They're like, as soon as we have a, 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 a result, if there are charges laid, we'll issue a news release, right? So in and, and this is seven years later. So yeah, take that as you will. Um, I just wanted to I I I would be interested if they had just dropped it because it was fucking seven years ago. But apparently they're still on the case. And but and he wouldn't he, he, he didn't even he didn't need to cheat. That's the thing. He would have won anyway. of course he would have, yeah. But he would wanted... do you think
1: that that is that something about his personality that says like I'm gonna leave no no doubt. Like there's gonna be no possibility of, of failure here. This is we're gonna make sure because everybody knew he was gonna win. Everybody knew he'd win without shady shit. It was kind of part of his defense in the end, as far as like I didn't know what was going on. Like I didn't need. I,
0: yeah, I well you know I. Well, I- I think he wanted to make Brian Jean eat shit like definitively. Like I think he wanted to make it clear that Brian Jean, who is sort of the the voice of this rural based uh, Alberta populist crowd is old news. I'm in charge now. I do think that that was an, an, right. an aspect. And that's why Jean fucked off for a few years until things got bad for Kenny and then he sort of was able to turn the tables on him um to some extent um and so he he created this coalition of the sort of you know urban uh pc types who were maybe less mad at Ottawa um you know, we're, 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 we're more focused on economic stuff on just getting their taxes cut. And, and of course, at the end of the day, that's all they really care about. They're, they'll put up with the rest as Danielle Smith's victory showed. Right? They, yeah, whatever, as just cut your taxes and, and, and um, we'll vote for you. Um and, and that was largely intact, right? But, Through the yeah. tumult of but prior to the pandemic, this was all like this was all progressives who were mad that he was uh that he was going after environmentalists, that he was cutting corporate taxes and um shrinking the public sector, that he was going after the curriculum. In just sowing chaos in the public school system. All these things. I mean, I think a lot of the the crowd that eventually did him in didn't necessarily like how he was going about it with this sort of sense of self-righteousness and belligerence towards anyone who stood in his way, which I think in that way, Danielle Smith is a very useful foil to kenny because she essentially i mean i get into it later in the book it's not they don't their beliefs aren't the exact same but in practice i mean i don't think kenny would be governing very differently than smith would be right now if he was still in power um but this sort of alliance he created because he was very there's a reason he i mean he ran for the P- PC leadership because, first of all, that's where the opening his opening was.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: Second of all, that that is he's not like he's like a Ralph Klein PC, right? Well, more ideological though. Ralph Klein didn't really have, I don't think, any core beliefs, right? He was a he was a weather vane, but but that that's he's an establishment conservative from Ottawa, and he comes back and he's railing against this Ottawa elite um and nobody bought it no one believed that shit in like rural alberta they they just didn't care because he was going to get elected and cut their taxes and stick it to ottawa a bit and 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 not just constantly complaining about the federal government but actually like take some sort of action that 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 sort of pushes them to uh, you know weaken the the the, the federation right sure. but the focus was really on economic stuff right they they want their taxes cut
1: and did he even really do that though like he raised income taxes by ending the indexing and
0: well,
1: he but cut anyway. corporate taxes right and yippee and, yeah he sure did
0: yeah it didn't create too many jobs but no um, it sure didn't he, he 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 certainly did that and he did uh you know remove red tape whatever the fuck that means i know he said he wanted to cut red tape by like uh 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 30% or something and it's like how do you measure that but how do you measure uh,
1: that yeah there's no
0: but it was really the pandemic right it's a cliche that that the pandemic did him in but it did and i th- And it's true because the contradictions within his project in Alberta of being this, this elitist from Ottawa who like worships the queen and is like this devout Roman Catholic and thinks that Westminster democracy is like the greatest system known to mankind. And these people who he had riled up, who wanted to tear it all down, um, it, it was really during the pandemic where he he was he was caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, you know, make and, and, a
1: half-fast attempt to save some lives here.
0: But it wasn't even that. If he had done that, I think a lot of the PC types would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, cause but that's where the contradiction lied, because both he and Danielle Smith both wanted business to function as usual. Right there, there's no difference between them on that regard on, on the goal. It's just for Kenny, he thought that in order to have business as usual function, he would sometimes have to step in and place some like bare restrictions that are always too little, too late to do anything, never made any sense like just the holes in the rules, right? Like when right. In, in like um, the winter of 2020, you could go to the mall with friends, but you couldn't hang out outside, right? And yeah. that just fueled this denialism, right? That Smith seized on. But yeah, I, I I think that did it. But it was also the fact that when it came to taking the fight to Ottawa, he it was all talk right he, sure, of course he, it was he, it took him two years he finally had that equalization referendum that was transparently just a way for people to blow off steam it didn't didn't mean anything right no and and so i think the combination of that in this continued railing against ottawa and this environmentalist conspiracy that trudeau's in cahoots with which is why he bought a pipeline for alberta right um is, uh, and, and, and people saying, okay, what are you going to do about it? And then this pandemic happening in Kenny, having this incoherent approach that right from the start, it was like, okay, we need to take this seriously. We're doing a lockdown. The only time Alberta had a lockdown, but it had a lot of exceptions to it, right? Meatpacking in particular was left open. Oil and gas, right? Way more exceptions than any other province had to the lockdown. And then after that, it was just like after he did that, he was just like, okay, yeah, it's just a flu, who cares? Like, whatever. It's uh um we need to move past it, right? And then as cases are skyrocketing and, and people are that the deadliest COVID wave in uh Alberta
1: was after best summer was- ever, right?
0: no no that wasn't the deadliest that was the one that placed the greatest strain on the hospital system because that's when ICUs were exceeding capacity but the deadliest one was the second wave actually because and at that time it was also like we're not going to do any restrictions like it's a flu people need to take personal responsibility
1: I remember that argument yep yeah.
0: yeah. And there's what? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And then he goes. People remember that he went for vacation. They fucked off, and no one knows where he went still. Uh, during uh, the best summer forever wave, but he did yeah. that in the second wave too. He was AWOL, and people. And then he comes back, and that's when Sammy Huites asks him uh, at the press conference do you take any responsibility for this like mass test that's happening? And he says, Oh, I reject the premise of your question. Right. You're right. Just right. An NDP shell. And, um, and again, and so he was just torn in two ways. Right. Between. We need. With no
1: supporters on like, in, right. no matter which direction he went, he didn't have enough support to keep his job.
0: Right. Because either it was too little, too late.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or he didn't do anything. And yeah, he satisfied nobody. Um, then he does so. Finally, they have some nonsensical restrictions. uh in late twenty twenty, then he starts this phased reopening, right? in In twenty twenty one, yeah. But then cases it. start going up again, and so he abandons it and just goes back. To the nonsensical restrictions that were in place uh in right. response to the second wave. And then that's when you get Drew Barnes and Todd Lowen and basically all the rural MLAs teaming up and being like, What is this bullshit? Give us our freedoms. And they actually, because Kenny talked about lives and livelihoods from the outside of the pandemic, right? Yeah. put livelihoods ahead of lives yes ultimately he did but even rhetorically it puts people's lives on par with like profits right yeah yeah. now the rejoinder to that if if you read the letter from lowen and barnes and 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 and, and all those people they talked about livelihoods in freedoms lives wasn't even part of the equation is our livelihoods and freedoms. Right, Drew Barnes said that the restrictions were just as deadly as, as the virus.
1: Absolutely. And the suicide crisis in Medicine Hat was all lockdown-related, if you ask Drew.
0: And I think it was in part lockdown-related, right? Like, I think now that we have hindsight, like, the way...
1: uh eh, suicide's still pand- pretty high
0: here. Yeah, but, I mean, the way the pandemic was approached was not ideal right it it was very much focused on these individual efforts like you stay home you get vaccinated you wear a mask right there's there's no desire to actually change things collectively right like uh, there were always going to be people who weren't going to abide by the restrictions who weren't going to get vaccinated who wouldn't mask up and there's a way to deal with that and to mitigate that risk but in order to do that you need to engage in central planning Which nobody had an appetite to do. You have to order workplaces to shut down if there's an outbreak, which of course, the greatest crime of the first wave. And I dedicate the book. Actually, the book is dedicated to the people who died at Cargill, because that was a clear example in the first wave of the pandemic how livelihoods clearly outweighed lives. One hundred
1: percent. Yeah.
0: And 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 there's an irony there too. I I bet. So. Some of the people who got COVID at Carville, Cargill, Cargill, which was almost half the workforce, more than half the workforce, I believe, at a certain point, probably came to Canada when Jason Kenney was immigration minister, right? And he like increased reliance on these temporary foreign worker programs, Um, and and so it it sort of came full circle in, in in that respect, but. Yeah, I I mean, the contradictions, this sort of manipulation of populist sentiment to serve elitist ends that Kenny was doing, the, the, the balancing act just couldn't hold. And then you have Take Back Alberta mobilizing because they're upset that Kenny did anything about the pandemic, that he arrested pastors who were violating the restrictions that weren't even so severe to appeal to precisely that audience that turned on him. Right. So even when he imposed restrictions, they were designed to have so many holes in them. And it's funny. He would go on Danielle Smith's show. You know, you know who the last guest on Danielle Smith's global radio show was?
1: Well, I'm going to guess when, it's Jason Kenny now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Wouldn't she quit because of like uh you know cancel culture or whatever. The last person she had on was Jason Kenny. Um
1: That's funny shit.
0: Yeah, and this was this was probably the height of Kenny taking uh the pandemic seriously, right? When they had that phased reopening he, plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That he abandoned then and was like no, we're going we're 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 not Reopening and because of the internal discord that created this split between the urban and rural caucuses, um, he needed he needed a win. He right, his base, he realized that the his people, his base, the people that who support his entire premiership in Alberta depends upon aren't people who want COVID restrictions. There are people who want to get rid of all of them. Right? Right. Yep. And and, and, and that was why he did open for summer. Right? We're going to be... And not just for summer, right? He promised this is going to be open for good. We're never locking down again. Yeah. But then when the shit hit the fan and when icus when our our healthcare system collapsed right it wasn't it wasn't that it was on the verge of collapse it did collapse as as yeah. uh, emergency doctors were saying at the time then he's like okay fine we're going to have restrictions and also we're going to have a vaccine passport but we're not going to call it that because i think you're a bunch of idiots who aren't going to recognize a vaccine passport if I call it something else. And that's another, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Kenny's downfall was because he hated his base. And in, in that Lunatics. respect- that? Lunatics. Yeah, exactly. That was when he was cooked, in retrospect, when that audio leaked. that Because that was, that was, I mean, when Smith saw that, she must have been glowing like that's it that's what's gonna get me back into politics um right i mean it was it because it was also exactly very similar to what trudeau was saying about the convoy people right that this is a fringe minority with unacceptable views the difference is trudeau didn't need their votes kenny needed these people's support and when he lost it it was done he was cooked And if you go back to the Canadian Taxpayer Federation days, this was always his thing. It was using this language of populism, talking about we the people are fed up and we're not going to take it anymore from Ottawa to promote policies that leave everyone worse off, like the horrible austerity that the Liberals implemented in the 90s that Kenny was... He was cheering me on at the same time. He was like, no, you need to go further. Like this, more austerity, right? And at a certain point, that's why he ran for reform, right? Because they just adopted the CTF agenda wholesale. And their shadow budget in 95 or 96 was denounced by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business for being too extreme. And so yeah. that that but that was how it but so with Kenny also there's this sort of neoliberal economics, right, that I think all our listeners know about, right? Just removing the state's function from anything but law enforcement, essentially, and just leaving it to not for profits or for-profit corporations to carry out functions of the state. That's one aspect of of, of sort of Kennyism. The other is neo the neoconservative um moralism, where actually the state does have an important role to play in law enforcement in his earlier years. And in some ways, when he was premier of Alberta, like with the gay straight alliance stuff. In promoting traditional values, in um, making people patriotic. I mean, I didn't even talk about his citizenship guide that he rewrote, which he made into, first of all, it made it harder to become a citizen because it was a lot more it was a, a lot more ideological the guide right it, it talked about uh-huh. the greatness of like the monarchy and our institutions and all all all, all these things so it was it, it was harder i think for people especially whose first language isn't english to learn Um, But it also uh, created this sense of patriotism and and, and nationalism that is a key part of neoconservatism. So there's a contradiction there. And I think the way he melded them together, because most people don't like the, yeah, if you're poor, fuck you, like join the military, because that's the only institution we're going to fund properly or the police is through populism right Mm -hmm. saying that the people demand this right and seizing upon legitimate grievances that are created by neoliberalism yeah say "No, no 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 we haven't gone far enough that's the problem
1: yeah I mean it's and,
0: and that's that's Kennyism for you for you um essentially and 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 it was the 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 hollowness of his populism was the problem at the end of the day um because you he couldn't square that with his 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 admiration for authority right right right, right. And this desire to be this great Historic leader, right? I mean, he really. If you, if you, if you go back and watch his uh, COVID address from April, where he 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 places the crisis in the context of the Second World War, right? Like he wanted to be this great leader who took this threat seriously, but he couldn't do it because of the confines of the political coalition he created created um and um and and i mean that is ultimately uh the story of his downfall it's one of hubris um but it's also one of like political contradictions
1: that eventually catch up and
0: yeah yeah And, and and so smith Smith has the authoritarian populism down, right? This populism from above. She's a neoliberal ideologue, but she's not this like she, she does she doesn't she doesn't have this neoconservative uh love of institutions and the established order that Kenny had. And I think that's what made it easier for her. To reemerge and say, "I'm actually going to be your champion." I believe the things Kenny said about how COVID's not that serious. That, it, like, it's a understandable why people would want to separate, right? I am your authentic voice,
1: and and because of that, you sh- you'll want to stay. will you know, we'll stay with Canada because I'll get us the right. Right. That was all of his kind of his thing was like, I, you know, I'm a, I want to be a Canadian at the end of the day, but he would he was his plan was to kind of get everybody under his, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be mad at Ottawa, but don't worry, like, listen to me and, and I'll fix all the problems and and we won't have to separate and we won't have to do those things. Right. Right.
0: Because for Smith, it's like, well, maybe I don't want to be a Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, like fuck around and find out, right? Yeah. This sort of, um, and it, and I think because she's a much less serious like figure, right? That 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 is one reason she's able to pull that off, right? Like she like is a troll. Is like is. Yeah. I mean, she does have. In I I think I might flesh this out in another book because she is a really interesting uh, figure in her own right. I think, um, but yeah, um. Yeah, she, she, um, and she's also from Alberta, actually, unlike Jason Kenny, who's from Oakville, Ontario. Um, though uh, he also lived in Winnipeg in that really Wilcox, Saskatchewan is his hometown, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, and yeah, I mean, he, it's a really, uh, I think my point with this book is that Kenny is a really emblematic figure of the constellation of forces that have created the new right totally yeah that that is both um fisted towards the state in terms of things that can actually help it provide for people but then is 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 is, is very big. Into using the power of the state to create this like moral order and uphold tradition, which I think goes a long way in explaining how he was able to so quickly jettison his free market principles when it came to, say, Keystone XL, right? Mm-hmm that's just right oil and gas is part of the established order of alberta and so yeah we're going to need to shell out money for that while cutting h for example
1: right yeah i know it's, it's fucked up uh we do have to uh wrap this up here today though cuz we've been at this for about an hour and 40 minutes here but um yes. i know it time time flies when you're uh chit-chatting um so before before we do wrap up what 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 uh is there anything else we need to tell the listeners about the book um that you want to because obviously we don't want to give it all away we want people to read it as well but um any last thoughts uh about the process uh that you went through before we wrap this up
0: uh writing a book's not fun uh don't do it (laughs) unless you have nothing better to do um in which case you should like if you want to write a book you should do it write a book yeah and uh yeah it will uh um it's it is ultimately uh fulfilling i think if not not necessarily financially lucrative but right um it is a good way to organize your thoughts and i promise you that the book is a lot less uh rambly than i am on this podcast
1: (laughs) ah people that listen to the podcast already know trust me yeah they know um anyway uh well right on well listen like i can't wait to read it myself and uh i'll i'll even pay for it because you know i don't want you to you know you're not you're you're not rich enough to like have to just give books away to people yet you know
0: yeah no i because I, I got three copies so that's one for me my partner and my even my brother is gonna have to buy his own copy so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. um i hear you so I
1: hear ya. but yeah no i'll buy it that's fine we'll all buy it everybody just go don't buy, buy it book.
0: from don't buy it from indigo
1: yeah fuck them fucking like get on
0: amazon if anything that's right Um, if you have to because in medicine hat you don't have like an independent bookstore where you can like buy new books right
1: uh uh, no i don't think so yeah go to amazon if you have to give some money to jeff bezos but um but yeah it was nice to chat with you about it and uh, i do look forward to reading it uh especially the parts where my name appears um and the chapter that i've already you can go
0: the index
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're in, the, in there's my... an
0: index entry for you. So, yeah,
1: sweet. I love it. Well, uh even even without me, you guys should go read this book, but um thanks for sitting here and and listening to us again. Um we're definitely trying to do more episodes this year, so we're hopefully we'll even be back next week with another one. Right, Jeremy?
0: Uh here's hoping. Yeah, I got you Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you got a, you got a possibility our, on uh, our our potential guest this week.
1: All right, buddy. Well, listen, um, it's the time in our show where we thank those of our guests, or our patrons who go way above and beyond those uh, what we could hope for. So to Farish Audrey, Christopher, Dave Baumiller, Darius Beauregard, our anonymous ones we can't mention, and to everyone else, um, we really appreciate everything you guys do to keep the show going. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week, so we'll see you guys then. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye.